Be with us tonight. God, I pray you would be our focus and our passion and our guide and our leader in this conversation. And um, God, I just pray that you would be lifted high. You are the judge. Lord, you're holy. You're pure. You're righteous. You're right. You're good. And Lord, you've called us to follow you. And so, God, we just ask that you would make our hearts a soft soil. We don't want to be here distracted and um, pulled away by the worries and the cares of the world and have the rocky hearts. God, we want the soft soil that you might grow in our hearts, how you want us to follow you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I thought it was an awesome study this week. Um, Have you ever had an unjust judgment? cast your way. You know, like if 99 other times they had called you out, they would have been completely right. But this time they were definitely wrong. Um, I think I've told you this before a couple of sessions ago. I don't remember when it was, but, um, one day we had just gotten back from the park and I had my kids and we walked in the house and I got a knock on the door. And so I opened up the door and, um, and this lady said, I didn't quite understand what she said. In case you haven't noticed, I'm really bad at paying attention when people talk to me. Not when you girls talk to me, but like I'll I'll have to say to Jason, can you say that again because I forgot to pay attention to you. I'm like really bad. So so um she said something and I said, Well come on in. Do you want water? And she said, May I come in? And that should have been my first clue, but I was like, Come on in. We were on so many adoption references, and so not like for us to adopt, but for other people to adopt. I thought she was from an adoption organization, and it turned out that she was from CPS, and my neighbors had called CPS on us, and um, I'm like offering her cookies, and and <laughs> and, and then um, she, she, she said something, and I said, wait, who are you? And she said, well, I'm so-and-so from CPS, and there's been allegations that you beat your kids over the head with belts, and I said... I, I don't even know why. This is the first thing that popped in my head. I said, no, I teach mommy's Bible studies. I, d- I don't do that. And she just, oh. And she rolled her eyes. And so she, she talked. And what had happened is my neighbors were screaming one day across the street. And the lady was screaming, help. And I started not to call. But, but I thought, what if something happens to her? You know, you're in that situation. And so I called the police. And, and it was that same day that CPS got called on us. And so I think it was just kind of a get back at you kind of thing. Um, it was Horrifying. She took one of my or each one of my kids outside at a time. Wouldn't let me talk to them, and I could hear Jonathan because the window was open. and And he's his daddy's son, and he's got like this loud, animated voice. and And um, she said to him, "Does your dad ever hit you with the belt?" And he says, "Only when we're wrestling, but I always get it away from him." And and he said, does your dad ever threaten you? And he's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, if you don't be good for your mom, you're not getting any ice cream after dinner. And then she said to him, well, if I could do, if if I could tell your parents to stop one thing that would make your life better, what could I tell them? And he said, could you have them stop making me do math? Because I don't like that at all. And then I was, I was terrified. I mean, she said, your case will be open for a month. And it was horrifying. I would never do anything like that. Have I ever yelled at my kids? Absolutely. Would I ever beat them over a head with a belt? No. I feel like it, but no. <laughs> I was 
terrified of losing my kids. And I thought, how could I even prove that I'm right in this? How could I prove my innocence? How could I prove that I'm just in this? I mean, anything else. Do you want to say that I'm mad sometimes? I'm mad. Do you want to say that I gossip sometimes? I gossip. But but I don't do this. There was no way to prove my innocence. And I remember one day that um, we were driving and Jonathan said, well, what if they take us and put us in a house that doesn't know Jesus? And I have my sunglasses on. I'm just bawling underneath them. And I said, well, I guess you would be Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego because they got taken from their houses as kids and they got put into a kingdom that didn't know God and they had to serve God there. But just that thought just horrified me. There was no way that I could convince them of my innocence. Now, praise God, the lady said it was the most healthy house that she had ever been in, and the case was closed, and Debbie Bryson, because I was like, I'm never leaving my house again, and Jason called Debbie on me, and she's got to call Debbie on me. And, um, and she said, well, I think that that lady sees so many awful houses that she had to come in and see yours, and I didn't like what she was saying at the time, but now I know, this was like almost two years ago, now I know that, You know, yeah, she was there for a reason. But all that to say, have you ever had an unjust judgment cast your way? Sometimes people don't like to talk about God as our judge. It sounds so strong. It sounds so powerful. And he's so loving. And we love his grace. And we love his mercy. Well, I... Having unjust judgment cast my way, I love him as my judge. I love him as my judge. Because there's no plea bargains with him. There's no mistrials with him. There's no false testimonies or fabricated evidences with our judge. He's holy. He knows all. He sees all. He sees the intentions of our heart when we say the dumbest things in the world. He knows what we were trying to do. He sees the sweet intentions of our heart when we were trying desperately to make a fun dinner for the family and we accidentally burnt everything and ended up yelling at everybody. He knew what we were trying to do. God is our judge. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a dirty word. It's not a bad concept. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing that God is our judge. He sees all, knows all, and is desperately in love with every one of us. And he, as our judge, has given us one simple rule or principle that never changes. Galatians 6-7 says we reap what we sow. What we plant springs up. What we sow is what we reap. What we say is what we eat. We reap what we sow. That's the one principle that God has given us. That's the one principle that God as our judge has given us. In everything we do, in everything we say, in everywhere that we walk, in everywhere that we go, we reap what we sow. I don't plant an apple tree And get surprised when apples come up. I plant an apple tree and expect apples to come up. What is it about us that we plant an apple tree in our lives and we get shocked when the apples come up? We reap what we sow. God gets blamed for things that are not his fault. Why would you send people to hell 
He sits as a righteous judge. He has a law. He's a holy judge. If our friend got murdered, and the judge let the murderer go because he was a nice guy, would we think that he was a good judge? No, because in that situation, we want justice upheld. God is a holy God who has a law of righteousness that's to be upheld. And isn't it our human nature to try to get out of the law? It really is. I mean, you would think that we would just see that speed limit sign and know that that's what we're supposed to go and that we would just go that speed limit sign. But we try to push it and we hope the hammer won't fall. And if we're speeding, if you're like me, you're thinking about excuses. Well, I can tell them that that motorcycle is going even faster than I am. We always want to find the person who's worse, the person who's faster, the person who's more dangerous, the person who's meaner, the person who says worse things. I've gotten three tickets in my lifetime. Three tickets. And I have tried to get out of all of them, even though I deserved every one of them. I have tried tears. That did not work. That was like the mean motorcycle man who used to sit over by that stop sign in Anza. Who has time for stop signs? My goodness. I have tried. Okay, so another stop sign. Oh, no, actually the mean Anza guy, he was like a school zone one. So, But it was not school zone time, and the kid who was there was a toddler with his mom. It was not a school zone thing. But anyway. The stop sign over by Target, like when you're, you know, on that side street that's by Trader Joe's is on one side and Target's on the other side. Watch out for that stop sign. And I got pulled over by a motorcycle cop there, and I was seven months pregnant with Jonathan, and and I thought, oh, well, maybe if you, if you feel sorry for me, because the tears hadn't worked the time before. And so I said, oh, I can't reach my glove box. I have to get out. And, and he said, okay. And I was like, so I opened the door, and I waddle all the way around very slowly hoping that he's like this poor pregnant girl she probably had to go to the bathroom she doesn't have time to stop but no he gave me a ticket my sister-in-law had a date and she needed to get home and she wasn't ready and so I went a little bit faster than I should have because we were trying to get her married and she needed to get ready and and so um that time that was in Texas and so I took Jonathan into the judge's office with me because you can just fight it there. You know, he's like boss hog kind of judge just sitting back there behind his desk. And and um, I took Jonathan, and he was a little toddler, and he was so cute with all his curly hair. And I thought, oh, well, maybe when he sees that I'm just a mom of a cute little curly-haired boy, I'll get off my ticket. And the judge said something about me speeding, and Jonathan goes, you were speeding? That's not okay. And I was like, got that ticket. What is it about us that we don't want to follow the rules? What is that about us? Why don't we just follow the rules? Why don't we just know that 75 going 85 equals a ticket? What is that that we think, oh, not us, not this time, not this way, not here, not now? No. There's a law and there is a rule And the ones who keep those laws and the ones who keep those rules, they do it for our good. They do it for our benefit. (coughs) Have my my coffee problem again. They do it for our benefit. They love us. Could you imagine? I mean, I was watching a show about Nepal. Do you know that they have not one line in the road or speed limit? I mean, you can go wherever you want to go, whichever way you want to go, however fast you want to go. It's crazy there. 
I don't ever want to drive in that place. In those times with the crazy people, I'm thankful for the policemen. You know those people who speed past you and you're like, I hope they catch a policeman. But when it's me, well, I've got to get there. So I've got to go fast. We have the rules. We have the reasons that we want to escape the rules. I love that our first question that we asked for each verse was, what do I learn about God as judge? I love that. Especially because in this day and age, like I said, we don't like to think about God as judge. We think about God as father. We think about God as love. Can I tell you, if God wasn't judge, this world would be chaos? This world would be horrible? And I love that the question pointed us to the word, what do you learn about God as judge here? Because I don't know if you're like me, but I talk to a lot of people. And they say things like, oh, well, my God would never. Oh, well, my God wouldn't. Oh, well, my God can't. Your God doesn't exist if that's your God. This is who God is. The Bible is who God is. Not your God that you think wouldn't punish somebody. Not your God who you think wouldn't let the consequences grow in somebody's life. This is who God is. And may we be those who don't come to the Bible with our opinions already and try to make it fit or we don't want to read it or we don't understand it or we don't want to talk about it. May we be those who come to the Bible with open minds And let the Bible shape our opinion of who God is as judge. We should want to know the truth of who God is. What does the Bible say that God is as a judge? Not what do the warm fuzzies in your tummy and the world tell you that God is as a judge. A judge isn't bad if you're following the law. I have no reason to run from policemen if I'm obeying the law. I have no reason to run from a judge if I haven't done anything wrong. I love the verse Isaiah 3, verse 10 through 11. Say to the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe to the wicked, disaster is upon them. They will be paid back for what their hands have done. To the righteous, it'll be well with you. Don't worry. To the wicked, Watch out. To the 65ers on the freeway, don't worry. You don't have to freak out when you see a policeman. To the 85ers, slow down. Be careful. You're going to get a ticket. Not like a hammer's going to fall, I'm going to kill you, destroy you kind of ticket. But try to get you back into the right way. Into the blessed life. Into something that's not dangerous for you. Nobody's trying to slow the world down and be mean by a speed limit. They're trying to keep everybody safe. And when God says, woe to you, wicked, you will be paid back for what your hands have done. He's not saying, I'm coming after you and I've got my gloves on. He's saying, oh, sweet people, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to love you by getting you back into the right place. Remember what God said to Paul when he saw him on the road on the way to Antioch. He said, Paul or Saul, Saul. Isn't it hard for you to kick against the goads? The goads are the things that the shepherds would use to keep the sheep on the right way of the road. Now, we can be one of two kinds of sheep. We can be the kind of sheep who stay in the middle and walk in the path, or we can be the kind of sheep who have to wander 
and get poked back. And who wander and get poked back. And who wander and get poked back. Like the, the little bumps drivers, you know, the like not just right in the middle. God says, that's hard for you. I don't want to poke you. I've got to poke you to keep you in the right place so you don't hurt yourself and hurt other people. But just stay in the middle. Say to the righteous, it will be well with you because you'll eat the fruit of your doings. Proverbs 10, 16 says that the labor of the righteous leads to life, the wages of the wicked to sin. Both verses are saying we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. Again, if I plant an apple tree, I'm not going to be surprised when apples come. Well, I kind of would be because I'm not that great of a gardener, but I wouldn't be surprised if apples were the fruit that came out of this tree eventually if it didn't die first. When we plant something in our lives, that is what grows. We're paid for what we've done. My kids, we have a refrigerator allowance system. And what we've done is um, I have dollar bills magneted to the refrigerators with jobs right in front of them. And as soon as they've done that job, they can just take that little dollar. As soon as they've given me a bag of weed, they can take the little weeding bag dollar. As soon as they've done the baseboards, they can take the little baseboards dollar. They're paid for what they've done. We have a first of the month and a 15th of the month system because I don't have enough money to give them money every week. Uh, I do, but I don't want to give it to them. And um, <laughs> there's too many cute clothes. And, um, and, and it was so funny because, you know, yesterday was the first day of that payment period. And on the refrigerator was still $6 that they did not work for. And I just kept it. I kept the $6. If they don't want to work for the $6, I'll just keep the $6. And that's what God is saying to us. You do the job and I'll pay you. Blessings, rewards, not salvation. This is not working for salvation. This is not being saved because you're good. Nor is it not being judged because you're wrong. God saves us by grace, by mercy, by love, by freedom. We are saved by grace. But don't let that trick you into thinking that means you can walk however you want and you won't suffer the consequences. We still will. This age of this church is is grace, is mercy. Don't talk about God as judgment. Don't talk about him as judge. Don't talk about the fact that you won't have blessings if you don't walk his right way. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. He is grace in salvation. His mercies are new every morning. I can mess up a thousand times and wake up fresh and new and clean and he's washed me white as snow. But if I kill somebody on Friday night, just because his mercies are new on Saturday morning doesn't mean I won't suffer the consequences for what I did on Friday night. Consequences are still there. We get paid in blessings or death. Isaiah says, or Proverbs said, the righteous, you get blessings. The wicked, you get death. Now that doesn't just mean unsaved people. It means any wicked thing in me that I don't put under the power of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't mean just death physically. It means death of sometimes physically, but also death of joy, death of peace, death of health, depending on my choices. 
death of dreams, depending on my consequences, death of usefulness for a time, depending on what I've done. We get paid for what we've done. Always, 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 we reap what we sow. And it may take a while, but the harvest of what we plant will come. Now, the thing that I love about God is that he is so gracious. And if we plant a nasty seed, and if we do what First John 1, 9 tells us, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all righteousness, you know what he'll do? He'll pluck that little seed out of the ground. But if we walk in our own way, if we continue on our own path, be sure your sin will find you out. Not God, the wrathful God, your sin. Be sure your seed that you've planted will grow. Be sure your sin that you've planted will find you out. And that's what he's trying to stop. God as judge sits there and he says to us, not woe is you, I'm coming after you, but oh man, can't you just follow the speed limit because I'm really tired of taking all your money. He wants to bless us. It goes on to say in Isaiah, verse 12, Youths oppress my people, women roll over them. Oh my people, your guides lead you astray. They turn you from the path. Our guides lead us astray. We have to be so careful who we're following. That's why it's so important to stay in the word. Who is God? What am I called to do? How am I supposed to live? Is what this person's telling me to do right? Is what this person is saying okay? Proverbs 13.20 says that those who walk with the wise will be wise. It is important for us to attach ourselves to wise people and follow after them. It goes on to say in Isaiah verses 16 through 26, The women of Zion are haughty, walking along with outstretched necks, flirting with their eyes, tripping along with mincing steps, with ornaments jingling on their ankles. Therefore the Lord will bring sores on the heads of the women in Zion. The Lord will make their scalps bald. In that day, the Lord will snatch away their finery, the bangles and headbands and crescent necklaces, the earrings and bracelets and veils and nose rings, the fine robes, the capes and cloaks, the purses, the mirrors, the linen garments and tiaras and shawls. Instead of fragrance, there will be a stench. Instead of a sash, a rope. Instead of well-dressed hair, baldness. Instead of beauty, branding. Your men will fall by the sword. Your warriors in battle. The gates of Zion will lament and mourn. Destitute, she will sit on the ground. We reap what we sow. And the sad thing is that I know people who live that life. I know people who were so blessed, so loved, so beautiful, who have time and time and time and time again refused to bring themselves under the submission of the Holy Spirit, refused to walk the right way, and their lives grieve my heart. What are we planting? What are we planting? Fragrant flowers or stinkweed? Beauty? Or captivity and branding, your owned. Growing hair or stress that causes us to pull our hair out. Something that makes us beautiful or something that says you're owned by the world and a captive of Satan. We cannot flirt with the world, ladies. There's a righteous standard 
Not because God is cruel, but because he's wise and loving. And just like I tell my kids, don't touch the top of the oven when it's on. He tells us, don't touch these things. Not because he's cruel, but because he loves us more than we could ever imagine. And as the all-knowing judge, he knows everything that's righteous, everything that's true, every consequence, and every blessing. We cannot flirt with the world and wink our eyes at them. We will trip on our own steps because that is not the life that God has for us. I was so grieved. There's this awful, awful movie out, and I don't even want to glorify it by saying its title here, but it's a book, and it's a movie, and it's so, so bad. And I expect the world to make movies like that. And I expect the world to see movies like that. What I was shocked to find out is that 80% of the church has seen that movie or read those books. And it grieves my heart. Things like this should not be a part of our lives. The world should act like the world. But when the church starts acting like the world, it's a desperate time. And maybe you would say, calm down, Christy. I'm not doing stuff like that. I'm just reading the books or I'm just watching the movie. Can we remember Romans 132? Though they are fully aware of God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve to die, they not only do them themselves but approve And applaud others who practice them. Even if we're not doing what the world does, if we're partaking in what the world does in our mind, if we're partaking with what the world does with our money, if we're partaking with what the world does with our time, we may as well be doing them. Isn't that what we're learning right now on this series of of the Beatitudes that Pastor Rob and Jason are doing? That it's not just your actions that destroy your life. Your thoughts and your inside can also. Sweet women, what a seed of death is planted in our hearts. There's nothing but death that can grow. When a seed of fornication is planted in our hearts, there's nothing but fornication that can grow. When a seed of something that disgusts God is planted in our hearts, There's nothing but fruit that disgusts God that can grow. Galatians 6.8 says, If you sow to your flesh, you reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, you reap life. What are we sowing to tonight? Because that life, it will burn us. Isaiah 33, one of our verses said, Now I will rise, said the Lord. Now I will be exalted. Now I will lift myself up. You shall conceive chaff. You shall bring forth stubble. Your breath as fire shall devour you. And the people shall be burnings like lime, like thorns cut up. They shall be burned in the fire. Hear you who are far off what I have done. And you who are near, acknowledge my might. The sinners are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? And who among us shall dwell with the everlasting burnings? They conceive chaff, emptiness, worthlessness. They bring forth stubble, thorns instead of fruit. God has so much more for us. He has abundance. He has soft soil. He has beauty. He has garments of praise that he longs to clothe us in. He has fruit that he longs to feed us. And yet, why is it so often that we say, no thanks, I'll take the emptiness, the worthlessness, the chaff, 
the thorns, the pain. I looked up because I thought, can people be burned by lime? I did not know that lime was like a burning thing. You know, I've never touched a lime and, oh, it's hot. Well, once when I tried to microwave it, but that's totally beside the point. Burn like lime. And I was reading five girls in Southern California actually went to the hospital with blisters and second-degree burns all over their body. What they had been doing was playing in the pool one afternoon, and they were making lime juice inside the pool for a pretend lemonade stand. And they developed phytophotodermatitis. And I have no idea if I said that right, but somebody told me once, if you just say it fast and confident, everybody else will assume that they have been saying it wrong their whole life. So they developed phytophotodermatitis, and it's a condition with the, um, when it's caused by the interaction of the sun's UV rays with the compound in lime juice. And it causes a rash and burns, and the skin discoloration and the burns can last for weeks or for months. Just from lime juice and sun. And God says, my sweet daughter, I have so much more for you. I have a life abundant for you. Remember what he says, Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But he came that we may have life and that more abundantly. He says, I don't want you to get burned. I don't want you to get burned. You contrast that with the type of life that Isaiah 33 goes on to say, In verses 15 through 17, he who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppression, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ear from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil, he will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. Look up, Zion, the city of our appointed feast. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, a quiet home, a tabernacle that will not ever be taken down. Not one of its stakes will ever be removed, nor will any of its cords be broken. But there the majestic Lord will be for us a place of broad rivers and streams, in which no galley with oars will said, nor majestic ships pass by. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, and he will save us. See, the Lord is our judge is not a bad thing. If we are walking in his ways, and obviously not perfectly every day, absolutely not, but if we are longing to walk in his ways, the Lord as our judge, the Lord as our lawgiver is beautiful. What a contrast of life and obedience and dwelling in the presence of the Lord and receiving bread and being fed by God. Romans 8 tells us the victory that we can have in Christ Jesus. Because don't we so often, we feel like we live in Romans 7. Oh, what I want to do, I can't do. What I can't do, I don't want to do. And what am I going to do, Paul basically says. In that verse, I can't seem to do what I want. And I have those days all the time. But we're not stuck there. You know, you hear Bible studies sometimes, and it's like, so so live there, because that's just where we live, and you're okay. You're okay in Romans 7. Paul goes on to say, who will deliver me from the body of death? I thank Christ Jesus. And he goes on in Romans 8 
to tell us to set our minds on things above. He says, There is no, therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Walk in the Spirit that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Are you tired of Romans 7? Is it our tendency? Absolutely. Is it normal? Absolutely. Are we stuck there? Absolutely not. We are absolutely not stuck in Romans 7 with the Holy Spirit in our lives. One person, one life, one choice, and one judge who looks at us lovingly and says, I've got so much more for you. I've got righteousness and peace, fulfillment of all your desires and longings. I'm loving Leviticus right now in the one-year Bible. It's just practical, politeness, sweetness, and holiness. I love it. Leviticus 19.2 says, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Not like wrath, like, you better be holy, because I'm holy. But like, follow me. Imitate me. You can't do it perfectly. You'll mess up all the time. That's why I provided the sacrifice. And here's the Holy Spirit. He's your comforter, your guide, your helper. And here's my word to be the lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And if you set your mind on my spirit, and if you wash your soul with the word, and what Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, we should be able to say to those behind us, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. We all have people following us. We all have people behind us. So where is our mind set and what are we planting? Leviticus, a practical holy guide. Leave some food for the poor. They're hungry and you don't need it all, Porky. I mean, that's what Leviticus is telling us. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't deal falsely. If people have worked for you, my goodness, give them their money. I know contractors who have done jobs and they don't have their money because they're not being paid. God's like, that's not okay. If they did work for you, you got to pay them. God says, if you borrow a blanket, give it back before it's nighttime. Because if they're cold and they're calling out to me and I know you have their blanket, I'm not going to be happy. It's like my version of, Jonathan, quit taking your sister's spotted leopard that she can't sleep without. My goodness. God's like, just give them their blanket back. I don't want them to be cold. Don't hate your brother in your heart. Like what Pastor Rob and Jason taught about on Sundays. We're not supposed to hate in our heart because we know, like the old saying, watch your thoughts for they become words. Watch your words, for they become actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, for they become your character. And your character is everything. God says it starts in the mind. It starts with what you're planting in your heart. What you're planting in your mind. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. I'm the Lord. He says, rise up before the gray-haired. Show respect. 
They know so much more than we do. Makes me sad to see the way that our world is treating older people right now. They know so much. He says, just be nice. Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another. Have you had those days with your kids, if you have kids, or maybe you've watched kids, or maybe you've just watched other people's kids, and you can't put your finger on what it is that they're doing? They're just not being nice. Their tone's not nice. Their attitude's not nice. Their words isn't nice. Just be nice. Esteem one another as better than yourself. Prefer one another before yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Aaliyah, the other day, did something and I said, Aaliyah, do unto others as you would have them do to you. And she said, that's what I'm doing. This is what they do to me and I'm teaching them how it feels. And I said, oh no, you've got that totally wrong. Like, opposite application. (laughs) You're missing it. Plant sweet niceness. In the world's terms, pay it forward. They're all about it right now, too. Pay it forward. Not because maybe if you buy somebody's groceries, somebody might buy yours, although that happened to my mom a few weeks ago, so who knows. But because God in heaven is watching as our judge not to smite you, but to reward you. You moms out there, don't you just, like there's some days where the kids are being so naughty and you know that if you could just praise them, everything would turn around. But you're just thinking, my goodness, do something good so I can say good job to you. God's sitting there as judge because he wants to bless us. We're becoming more like him. And we can't do this on our own. We were never expected to do it on our own. But we were given the Holy Spirit, so we are expected to do it. A lot of people today will tell you it doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. Oh, no, it does, because then why would we need the Holy Spirit? If all we needed was grace and mercy and we're fine and sloppy agape and grace craziness and all of this stuff, then Jesus would have just died on the cross and left. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to do all those things that we can't do. That we could have the blessed life. That we could stop kicking against the goads. That we could walk the straight and narrow path with Jesus. He's our holy, sweet judge, and he says, you don't have to live your lives as a mess. All of these people that we were talking about who are punished, they're his people. They're the ones that he loved. They're they're not the unsaved. We as Christians, we have a choice of what type of life we will have. And I know that sometimes it doesn't seem like it's working out like that. I know sometimes we plant righteousness and a mess still springs up. And I know sometimes it seems like those people out there, they just keep planting sin and corruption and they spring up nothing but blessings. Isaiah 16, 5, In mercy, the throne will be established. And one will sit on it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness, exalted over all, and also his ways are not our ways. I love how that verse ends. He says his throne is established in mercy. What we need to remember 
is that when we failed, when we have faltered, there is mercy found in confession. There is mercy found in just saying, God, I have messed up so bad. There is mercy in being honest with one another. There is mercy, but when others have failed toward us, there is also a throne established in mercy for them. Often we want mercy for us and judgment for them, but he's the one who says, I sit in truth as king, judging, seeking justice, hastening righteousness. I'm exalted over all. It begins with mercy, but then he says, oh, by the way, my ways aren't your ways. So it's not going to be done the way you think, the way you want, in your timetable. It will be done perfectly, but it will be done my way. But we have the assurance, like Revelation 15.3 says, that someday we will all declare, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, you King of the saints. One day we'll all say, You were right. Everything that you did was right. Everything that you did was just and holy and good and praiseworthy and righteous and kind. So as we end, where are you planted? Where are you planted? Last week, Debbie opened us up with Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, whose leaf does not wither, who brings forth fruit in its season, does not fail. But not so with the wicked, they shall be like the chaff which the wind drives away. Which one tonight? Which one? Are we planted by the rivers of water? Not perfectly. Absolutely. I bear my little tree roots up all the time and try to move somewhere else. But with all of your heart, do you long to be in his presence? Are you coming to him as David did? Search my heart, O God. Know me. Try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. Cleanse me from this path. Are we coming to him in confession? Are we guarding our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus? Which are we planting? Because God is our judge is a beautiful thing. And he has so much for us and he loves us so much. So Lord, we just come before you. God, we thank you that you're our judge. Because there's no tricking you. There's no having to convince you. And Lord, every rule that you make is for our good, for our benefit, and to make your name known. Lord, you sit established in mercy. You pour out your mercy and your grace. And our righteousness before you is as filthy rags. And there is not one good, no, not one, And there is not one thing that I could ever do of my own to earn your favor. We are saved by grace. We are bought with the blood of the righteous, innocent lamb. But Lord, neither have you left us orphans. You have given us the power of the Holy Spirit. And you say to walk in the spirit that we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh leads to death. 
but the Spirit leads to life. And you came to give us life and that more abundantly. So God, would you, would you keep poking us in your ways? And then would you teach us to walk uprightly? Teach us how to walk, God, that we can say to those behind us, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And would you remind us to plant good things in our hearts and lives? Bless each woman, bless our table time. Fill them with your spirit. Cover the gaps of all the sweet women who are missing all of our sweet leaders and bless them tonight. Give everybody health and blessings. And God, just draw us near to you. Because you say that if we draw near to you, then you'll draw near to us. And that when we search for you with all of our heart, that we will find you. What sweet promises that is. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.